Hi, I'm Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Katina Sawyer, and welcome to the Worker Being Podcast. So today, Katina, you've got an article for us. Do you want to give us a sneak peek? Yes, I do. Sure. So this article today is about a concept that I don't think we've talked about before, which is called leader humility, which we'll talk a little bit more about what that is. So if you've ever worked for a leader who you think is uh, not very humble, uh, you might appreciate (laughs) learning about what it is like to work for a leader who is humble, or maybe you have someone that you know that is like that. So we're going to talk about the importance of leader humility for a concept that we have talked about before, um, psychological capital, but at the team level, and then how that impacts team performance. Love it. I love yeah. it. Psych cap is a very popular topic for us. We love it. People lo- seem to love it. One of the most popular yes. articles that we wrote is about that. Um, so I'm really excited. I mean, psychological capital has so many huge benefits. So this is really interesting that leaders can impact it. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, when I saw psych cap, I got interested because obviously we're always looking for all kinds of new research for our course on psych cap. And so I was thinking, oh, this will be good take a look, give it a read. And then I got super interested in leader humility. Um, and then over the last, uh, like month or so, um, one of my colleagues and I have been doing a meta analysis on leader humility. So it's a topic that I've also been reading a little bit about in the, uh, background as well. So leader humility is kind of a new, I'm like interested in it because I think it's, I think more leaders should be more humble. I think, think you're probably right <laughs> yeah um, that's interesting though oh so you'll have you'll give us a little more insight into leader humility than just this article since you're yeah. deep in that research right now yeah yep yes so I can give some insights from that as well awesome great great yes well before we get started um I just wanted to announce to everyone that this is our last episode before we do a two-week holiday break again I can't believe it's already the holidays. What is happening? I know. Uh, it is wild. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. So we'll be off um, the next two weeks and come back in early January. So uh, we'll, I'll remind everybody at the end of the show as well. But just a good note that uh, you should all take the break as well. Take some time, relax, and enjoy the holidays as much as you can in this bizarro year of 2020 and probably celebrate yeah. a lot on new year's that it's over even though the virus isn't over but at least the year is over and maybe it, it'll be better next year i don't know yeah yeah and you know it seems like that's what experts are saying so i'm hopeful for that as well um and i think that actually being that this is our last episode before the holiday break and we're talking about humility it's actually kind of an interesting thing because one of the things that uh, is embodied in humility is being able to like view your strengths and weaknesses accurately. Um, and so I know I'm like totally putting you on the spot, but I just thought of this, that it could (laughs) be fun. Like, um, if you look back over the course of the year, what's one strength that you think you like demonstrated in the face of the year, given that it was like so wild and what's one like area that you think got flagged up that you want to keep improving on? Ooh. Huh. I know. I just like totally put you on the spot. On the <laughs> well, I need to think about it a second. Yeah. Mm. It just came to my mind and I was like, Ooh. do you have an answer for yourself while I'm thinking about my answer? Um, I don't know what my strength is yet. I could, I think that's something that I want to keep improving on is um, like managing work and life uh 
specifically with regard to taking time to do like mental unwinding for a while this year I was uh doing a lot more of like mindfulness and meditation I think I talked about it on the podcast that I was trying to do like headspace and things like that and you know I just like really fell off with it and that's a bummer to me because it was helping me like it really was helping me I could tell um so I think one area for improvement for me is to try to build more of that into my calendar that I need to actually be better about mapping out that time. That's a good one. That's a really good one. I feel like my answer for the weakness is probably similar. It's a balance thing. Cause honestly, and I know we've talked about this before, but this year has been way busier than I expected. And yeah. I don't know if it's because like I was sitting at home and <laughs> I could right. spend more time working or if it's because, I mean, we did have a lot more client stuff pop up too. So we've had a lot of actual more work too. And so I feel like there were definitely months and weeks at a time that we were just really, really busy, which I loved, but kind of going back to um, our workaholic episode a few yeah. weeks ago, I think that I need to be a little bit better at balancing and like knowing when to just stop at the end of the day. Like, that's something that I think this year has shown a light on because I yeah. don't have an excuse to stop. It's not like I can mm -hmm. go, you know, meet with friends for dinner or do anything like that. So I'm at home and so I need to make excuses for myself to stop. Right. Um, so that's something that I think I could really work on. And I think just taking time even throughout the day for more breaks. And honestly, I've been thinking about it and probably in the new year and Katina, maybe you want to join me. Like I'm kind of thinking about doing the reset again. Yeah, we should do it again. Yeah, because that's I, such a good idea. I think that that helps me like remember, oh my gosh, why am I not taking breaks? Like this is a great idea. Take right. Breaks like I know these things um, and we talk about all of these things yeah. all the time and we recommend it to everybody else, but I'm not always great at setting work aside to do things for myself. Um, and I think that comes with being an entrepreneur in a lot of ways, but that doesn't mean we can't find little bits of balance in our life. So I just need to be better at that for sure. Yeah, I agree. And I also think because mine's kind of similar to yours, but like a little bit different in the sense, well, it's like the same idea that I always thought that I would have said, if someone said to me, you're going to have a year, even though I know it's mentally stressful, but you know, we don't have, neither of us have like kids that we're managing, like being home or anything like that. So if someone said to me like, okay, I, you're going to be in your house for like almost a year and you're not going to be able to travel anywhere. All your trips are getting canceled. You're literally going to be in your house for that period of time. Will you be able to find some time to do mindfulness meditation? I'd be like, yes. Like if you take all that travel time off my plate and I'm not running around all the time and on the go, like, of course I'd have time for that. And what I have found, and I think you're saying the same thing, is like you fill the time that you have with work. Mm -hmm. If you, So I think that that's part of it too is that I learned that I have to like be structured in doing it and that it's not just like a – oh, if I have time, I'll do it. It's like more than just like having time or being in a place where it's convenient to do it. It's also like making yourself do it. Yeah, I totally and like agree. recognizing the benefit. Totally agree. Just reminding myself, taking lunch breaks, taking yeah. time at the end of the day, like closing my computer. Honestly, like, uh, so we're recording this pretty soon after Thanksgiving and I took the weekend where I didn't open my computer 
like at all. Even when I was set talking, to, granted, I did a little bit of work because I was talking to you yesterday about some stuff, but I yeah. didn't open my computer. <laughs> I just did it quickly yeah, on my that's phone. Good. So that's I feel good. like that was a little bit better. Um, yeah, that is better. So anyways, I, I did feel like that was really good. And so I'm thinking that this upcoming holiday break, you know, with Christmas and New Year's coming up, I'm thinking of doing the same thing of like at least having a few days where I just don't open any of my computers um, and just walk away. And nobody's really contacting us at this, you know, right next to a holiday. So it's not like there's anything urgent going on anyway. So there's no reason why I have to be connected. So I think I'm going to do that too. And if you think about what happens when you send someone an email near the holidays and they don't answer, you're not like, what a jerk. This person stinks. You're like, oh, they must be doing stuff for the holidays. Like that, People will think the same thing about you. They're not going to think <laughs> that you're a terrible person, horrible employee. Like They'll just be like, oh, this person must be enjoying their life. Great. Yeah, um, exactly. So yeah. But, but, but what about our strengths? We have no strengths. <laughs> We're like, this is what we're bad at. We're very humble. (laughs) Therefore, no ego. We're not good at anything. Um, I actually, so I don't know. I'm thinking about strengths from this year. Like, I think generally, I, I don't know. Maybe I didn't think about it before, but I feel like I'm more of a, more positive of a person than I thought I was, if that makes sense. Hmm. Like, yeah, I, I definitely am a realist, so I'm not going to be like overly positive about everything, but this year was rough. Like there was a lot yeah. of rough, rough stuff. Um, and yet I feel like I've been able to maintain some positivity for the most part. Yeah. You know, even yeah. when there's stress, even when I've been really anxious, like there's definitely been days where it's just like super emotional and meh. Like that's normal from a mental health perspective to have those yeah. days with all the awfulness in the world right now. But, but I do feel like I've been able to stay positive more often than I probably would have expected. So maybe I'm more resilient. Maybe that's the word I'm looking yeah, for. Yeah. Resilience. Good. I like that. And I think that's true. I mean, even in terms of the, I was going to say resourcefulness. And I was thinking that was for both of us too, because not only were we sort of dealt a blow in terms of what, you know, we have had to go through personally, just like everybody else has had to figure out ways around that. But, you know, when you're starting or like closer to starting a business and part of what your business is built around is doing things that are usually done in person yeah. it's kind of difficult to um you know figure out well what do we do from there and we had the whole we put so much time and energy into planning our retreat and we had people signed up for it and then we had to pivot and cancel the retreat and figure out a way to put our content virtual and you know even in working with clients you know we had to figure out a way to create engaging content that would translate virtually when we were used to doing the you know in-person delivery um So I think that, you know, I don't really like chaos in the sense that even though I don't mind busy, I like busy structure. Like I can have things like one, two, three, four, back to back to back to back, but I need to know the structures there. Like I can travel, but I need an itinerary and I need to follow the itinerary. You know, like it could be a super busy itinerary, but like I need a schedule. So I don't like Mm -hmm. chaotic things. And um, I think that, you know, we did a good job of dealing with the um more chaotic pieces like putting structure around the chaos even when we didn't really know like what was coming so I learned that we can get through that and I feel like if you can 
make it through in a business that's new. This sounds like a rhyme. If you can make it through <laughs> in a business that's new. <laughs> <laughs> if you could make it through in a business that's new when you're in a year that stinks like poo. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> but honestly, it, it, me, it is like, I think, you know, it's a, it's a good thing. Like, I feel like it tells me that we can do more than we thought we could. And I'm glad that you recognize that because I think it's really funny to me that you said that you don't do well in chaos because I feel like you always do well in chaos like <laughs> from an outside perspective but I think what you said when you put structure to chaos I feel like that yeah. is you you yeah. can take a chaotic situation and make it function and put structure around it so I think that you don't like chaos but yes. that's in a but you still thrive in it because you're able to put that structure I think some people just get lost in it you yeah you are in the middle of it and you're just like oh like I can put it in this box and that's gonna work and so I right. think you I I find it hilarious that you just say that you're not good in chaos because I feel like <laughs> you are <laughs> but I think that like I I think that it's I can sometimes drive people nuts that don't like structure because I'm like well hold on like we can't just show up in this place and not know like what we're doing each day. Like we need to like, like I'm happy to do five places in a row that we visit, but like in each place I want to know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) and I want to know how I'm getting from point A to point B and I want to know what time things are happening, like all that stuff. So I think, but I think that's what we've been able to do. So I'm proud Mm -hmm. of us that we have been able to find some structure in the chaos and, um, and honestly we're doing better than ever which is great. Yeah. Yeah. It is great. It is great. So yeah. So we found some strengths. We found something positive, not just uh, our lack of balance. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And we're grateful for everyone listening and all of the folks out there that have supported us in that journey, because clearly we couldn't uh, be successful at doing any of that if it wasn't for all of you. So thank you for making 2020 so great for us. We appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. 2020 surprisingly good for business for our business at least um and we managed through the chaos and hopefully all of you are also managing through it and maintaining some sense of mental health and normalcy as much as you can yeah yes agreed and here's to a better 2021 yay so fingers crossed vaccines let's get going (laughs) let's move past this yes exactly exactly so anyways that was a nice little like wrap up for the year yeah intro though to the article because we're still to talk about humility and leaders yes so So, tell me the things tell me about this article well what the article is first yeah, so the article is called Leader Humility and Team Performance, Exploring the Mediating Mechanisms of Team PSYCAP and Task Allocation Effectiveness, which I'll talk a little bit about, but it's not as important from like a well-being perspective, but they did have that in the paper. And um, it's by one million people, so I'm going to just say it fast. It's by Rigo Owens, Yam Bloom, Cunha, Szilard, Goncalves, Martins, Simpson, and Lou. Okay, that was Whoa. a lot. <laughs> and uh, it was published in the Journal of Management in 2019, so just a year old about. Nice. And um, the article basically takes a look at this sort of new-ish um, concept um, in our literature of humility. And early on um, in the leadership 
world, leaders were kind of conceptualized as these very like heroic, like I, you know, I'm saving everyone. I have all the answers. You know, the leader is always right. This very decisive, like I know what's best uh, type person. And over time, uh, we've really learned through research that leaders that are uh, more approachable, adaptable, and connected with their people actually do better than people who uh, think they already have all the answers or who are not open to learning new things or who think that their job is like to give orders and everyone else to sort of follow them, right? So um, humility kind of stems from that conversation that's been evolving over the years in terms of, well, what should leaders be doing in order to display characteristics that are actually helpful in creating the kind of team climate and culture that they want to have. Um, so just to give a little background so people know what I mean when I'm saying humility, um, mm -hmm. humility has three different components. So the first of those components is a willingness to view yourself accurately so the idea that you have strengths and weaknesses. So you're not always like, oh, it's not the same as being like self-deprecating where you're like, I'm terrible. There's nothing good about me. Right. Like, but like you can recognize your strengths, you know what you're good at, but you're also willing to be like, you know what? I'm not so great at this. Um, and so I probably need some extra help in this area. So viewing yourself accurately is one. Um, having an appreciation of other strengths and contributions. So not seeing other people being good at something as a threat, but rather like that's great. You bring that to the table. We all get better when you bring your strengths and contributions to the table. Mm -hmm. um, and then the last one is teachability, um, being open to new ideas and feedback. Um, and so uh, the idea that you understand that you have things to learn and when people bring things to the table that could be interesting for you to learn or that could help you get better, you're not going to take that as an insult. You're going to take that as an opportunity. Okay. So if I'm humble, I am, I see myself as I am. I have strengths, weaknesses. I'm not perfect. I see other people's strengths as an asset to, to the group, to everybody. I can appreciate their strengths and I'm willing to take feedback and coaching to learn and get better. Yes, correct. Awesome. I mean, that sounds like an awesome leader just from that description. Yeah, yeah. And and people have found in other studies that um, being humble in your leadership is associated with um, less pay disparity on teams. So people get paid more fairly, um, higher like integration on teams. So more like information sharing and uh, joint decision making. Um it's shared with or it's um, related to more of like a strategic orientation. So being able to work together for like a long term future. Um, so all of these kinds of uh, things that sort of get activated when the person that's in charge is demonstrating that sort of recognizing other strengths and weaknesses and being willing to learn and adapt is a positive thing instead of trying to act like you already have everything you need. And you're all good. You don't need help from anybody. Or that, like, the person who demonstrates weakness is the weakest link. Right. 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 Yeah. I mean, that makes all that all makes a lot of sense. Like, I would expect that <laughs> that would be related to those things. So that's good. So that's kind of your insight from your other research, is my guess. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um. So basically, this article is looking at how leader humility affects teams' capacities. Uh, to uh, basically share uh, 
better perceptions of themselves as a group. And so that's why they are looking into PSYCAP. So they're basically arguing in this paper that when you have a humble leader, the humble leader's behavior show you, they send these like social cues that you are worthwhile, that you have uh, important things about you, um, that finding new ways to do work and achieving goals is positive. So um, like throwing away old ways and finding new ways is actually a good thing. Um, and that we're all like focused on growth and development together. So this idea of being like adaptive, responsive, learning, growing, all have to do with psychological capital, which we've talked about many times before, which is self-efficacy, optimism, hope, and resilience. So this idea that, you know, we can do this together, um, good things are going to come for us, that, you know, I, I can see the strengths in this team. So positive outlook. Um, I understand basically um, how to um, – get to a goal by cycling through different paths. And just because one didn't work doesn't mean we need to just like give up and stop going. We can be resilient when we fail, but also like have a plan B and having to go to plan A, B and C is not a bad thing. It's like part of the process. Mm -hmm. So when you're a humble leader, you're setting these social cues that we're all about learning and growing and thriving together. And that is supposed to, in this paper, what they're arguing is grow the team's perceptions that they are confident they can do things. They're, they feel positively about their outcomes. They can set goals and think of a lot of different ways that they might get there and that they can bounce back after failure. Awesome. So we'll definitely link to Sidecap resources that we have, including the article and the podcast episode and our course. Um, but I think that makes a lot of sense. So the leader is able to influence how the team feels and build their psychological capital because we know that psychological capital is something you can develop and grow. And so sounds like a humble leader is able to well they're arguing is able to do that but I'm guessing the study finds that <laughs> yes uh so that is a, a little bit of a spoiler alert but yes so basically what they're saying is that you know people look to the leader for all kinds of social information so you can think about when you're on a team you kind of look to the leader to set the tone and that's why you know kind of kicking it off by talking about well what's the tone that the leader's setting when they're like I'm always right. I have all the answers. What you learn in that environment is, okay, if I want to make it to the top, I have to pretend like I have all the answers, even though nobody has all the answers. So everyone's faking, right? Like there's no way anyone ever has all the answers. But if the leader is putting forth this persona that the, the way to be in charge is to act like you know it all and you don't have anything to learn and you have all the knowledge and nobody else has knowledge, that's what people are going to role model and do, right? Whereas the opposite, if you're looking to the leader for feedback on how to lead, and they're demonstrating these humble behaviors, you're going to learn something different. Um, and in doing that, and as you mentioned, like cap, the great thing about it is that it's developable. So they can measure it as like a function. It's not like everybody on the team enters the team and their amount of psych cap is fixed. The way the leader behaves actually can grow or shrink the amount of psychological capital that exists at the team level. Um, and we've talked before about psychological capital at the individual level. I think this is the first time we've talked about it at the team level, mm -hmm. but it makes sense because they're talking about a leader and the impact a leader would have on a team and basically saying that you can aggregate the teams. You can ask the team what their perceptions of the team is as opposed to asking about their perceptions of themselves. And that gives you a different measure, not like 
how much hope do I have or confidence do I have in myself, but how much confidence do I have in the team? How much positivity do I expect to come from this team? How much hope do I have in this team and how resilient is our team? Yeah. I mean, I think it makes sense. Like it's just kind of like a roll up of how the team is functioning. And then, so that would impact Well, I don't know if the study looks at this, but that in theory would impact team wellness, which impacts individual wellness etc yeah so that's like the yep. big thing about psychological capital is that we know that it is linked to well-being because it makes you um basically more resilient to challenges so then you're less likely to get stressed out by those challenges less likely to burn out all those and so all that leads to being better off yeah exactly um so basically um they get more into the details in the article but just to give a little bit more detail around why each of these components of leader humility should boost PSYCAP. Um, they talk about how humble leaders validate um, team members' unique strengths and they make their contributions like public. So they point out what people are good at. And so that makes people feel an increased sense of confidence in their team or self-efficacy because they are looking around them and hearing more about like, oh, look at all these great people that we have on the team and like look at all of the skills and contributions that we're bringing to the table as a collective. So obviously if somebody's constantly pointing out what folks on the team are good at, I'm going to feel more confident in the team overall, right? Um, and similarly, while they often admit limits or mistakes or they might point out uh, areas of opportunity, their admission of their own limits first is because they're humble about themselves. When they point out where people might improve, people don't take it as a criticism. They take it more as like, oh, this is an opportunity to grow or develop because the leader themselves is saying it's okay to have weaknesses. So when you're seeing these things as being okay, when someone else points out an area that you can improve, you're going to see it as an opportunity to grow and you're going to basically have more hope and resilience in the face of challenge and maybe more optimism too um, because you're not you're just viewing that differently than you would if the person was like hey you stink at this right or like you need to get better at this and those weaknesses are viewed as like an automatic negative yeah I think that makes sense so it's like the leader is modeling the fact that we're all human no one's perfect and we can just grow and get better at things that maybe we have challenges with but it's not like a big deal and we can get through it and we're already a great team with so many great strengths so any areas of opportunity are not a break breaking point by any by any means by any stretch of the imagination yes and you know learning that things are teachable and showing someone take new information as a teachable moment as opposed to a moment of threat really helps you to keep being hopeful in the team because mm-hmm. even when you're getting information that you're a little off course, you're not seeing it as the, as, as the end of the world. You're seeing it as, Oh, okay. This is information that we need to do something different, but not that we need to just like give up. Yeah. Yep. That makes sense. So, which ties exactly into the definition of psychological capital pretty much. Yes. Yes, exactly. So they talk about how humble leadership kind of unites very nicely with these different pieces of PSYCAP um, so that the team would probably have higher PSYCAP as a result of having a humble leader. Um, And then they talk a little bit about outcomes. So one thing that they talk about is that the higher PSYCAP you have, the more likely it is that you will know who to delegate what task to. And the reason that they make this um, 
link is because they say people with higher or teams with higher psychological capital have a greater awareness of who's good at what on the team. So they have uh, more efficacy. They understand like, oh, I'm good at this. You're good at that, whatever. So people are more aware of who's good at what. Um, and they also have more paths to achieve goals because of the higher hope and a higher likelihood of making adaptive changes because of resilience. So even if you're wrong initially about who should have gotten a certain task or who should be responsible for what, if you're getting information that that's not the best path, the team is much more likely to take that information into account and make a new plan and reallocate that task or reallocate tasks in a way that make more sense under those conditions. Um, so they basically have like a better shared mental model which is kind of like this shared idea of who knows what and who to delegate things to so that not only are they more aware of like oh actually this person's the best at this so they should do this but they're also more responsive to information that might suggest they need to like shake things up a little bit midway and that also I'm assuming comes with people not getting offended if a task gets shifted from them to somebody else and everyone just kind of understands that we're wiggling around to get things in the best place Exactly. Um, so basically their argument is the more cap you have, the more likely it is that you're going to allocate tasks appropriately. And then the more likely you are to allocate tasks appropriately as things unfold, the higher your team performance is. So ultimately leader humility predicts higher team performance, but that happens through higher collective um, cap and team task allocation effectiveness. So while they didn't measure wellness in this specific study, it sounds like, based on what we already know about psychological capital and wellness, this is proving like a huge win-win for yeah. leaders and organizations. If a leader can impact the team's psychological capital, then they're going to perform better and they're going to be doing well. Like, I mean, honestly, let's be real. The way that we named our course has to do with exactly this. Yes. Like, with the exactly. four keys to sustainable success. And that's exactly why. Sustainable, meaning you can... You are not going to burn out. You're going to be able to bounce back and be healthy as you're achieving your goals and your successes. So therefore, the team can perform better and the team can um, still maintain a sense of wellness as well. Yes, exactly. Um, so what did they find? Exactly what we just said. <laughs> and, um, and they found it across three studies. So... I won't get into the details of all of them, but the first study was an experiment. And the interesting thing about this, um, about this uh, study is that it works cross-culturally. So they have samples from Singapore, Portugal, and China. Oh, wow. And uh, the model held across all the different cultural contexts. So that's pretty cool. So this is a global phenomenon, it seems. Um, and basically, they looked at uh, they did an experiment where they had people read about a humble leader and ask them how much psychap they would feel about that team if they were on that leader's team. So that mm -hmm. was an experiment to take a look at, okay, if you worked for a person like this, how much efficacy would you feel the t in the team? How much optimism, hope, and resilience would you uh, feel the team would have? And they found that people who read about a humble leader versus a different kind of leader had higher expected psychap. Um, then in another study, they, uh, in 70 teams in Portugal, they, um, measured leader humility and team psychap, um, of individuals on teams. And then they had the leader of the team provide a rating of team performance. So for that one, they showed that, uh, people who rated their leaders as more humble also rated the team, their team as being higher on psychap. And then their managers rated their team as being more highly performing. Um, and then the last one tested the whole model. 
um, which was in three different waves in 53 teams in China. And um, they basically had people fill out first um, humility, the extent to which their leader was humble. And then they did a time lag. Um, and then uh, after the time lag was over, they had them fill out another survey where they rated their uh, team SICAP. And then at time three, they collected and their uh, their uh, allocation, the task allocation. And then they had the leader provide um, team performance data um, at the third time point. And so uh, they basically demonstrated that humility led to higher perceptions of psychological capital on the team, which led to higher perceptions of task allocation effectiveness. And then managers rated the team as more highly performing um, as a result of those three things being higher. Wow. So they really did a thorough job in this study with three different yeah. studies getting at. So honestly, it feels good, right? Like we feel like we can be confident in these results because they've been able to prove it over time, different samples, different locations, different cultures, and still get strong results. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and I think the, I think the biggest takeaway, because the paper um, honestly does not have a very um, like strong um, discussion section, I guess you would say in terms of like, it's very short. Mm -hmm. um, and usually in the discussion section is where you are like, you know, talking about what can we do with these findings and things like that. And this paper, I think probably because they took up a lot of space with their studies. Um, <laughs> they didn't have as much space for the discussion. So um, I'm just kind of like putting my own thoughts around what I think we can do with this. But one thing that really came to mind for me was in hiring and um, thinking about the kinds of characteristics that you're looking for when you're either promoting or hiring someone into a leadership role. And I think it can be really um, tempting to pick the person that feels like, like I know how to get the job done. I know, you know, the best way of getting things done. Like I always have the answer, et cetera, because it makes you maybe even as like a person that's asking the interview questions to feel like, Oh, I know that this person can get the job done and not that they should be like, I don't know if I can get it done, but, um, but maybe adding some behavioral interview questions around how people respond to feedback or, um, tell us about a time that, you know, you did something and you hit a wall. Like, um, how did you respond? What were your, what actions did you take? Uh, you know, uh, tell me about a time that you, uh, you know, learned something really valuable. Who, how did you learn it? And what did you do with that information? You know, thinking about how to get at humility as maybe a competency for leadership, since we know that it's important for team performance. Um, I think we like overemphasize this like competence aspect and confidence aspect. And we don't give enough credence to the idea of humility and like the selection process. I think that's a great idea. Just having some acknowledgement of that humility piece in the selection process but I also think that can work well selection externally that could work internally too so as you're trying mm -hmm. to promote folks and move them into roles like taking the most confident individual contributor may not be the best move into the next level role where you're leading a team maybe there's you know something will be there'll be a disconnect right if you're like overly confident over overly non-humble <laughs> if you yeah. will um so thinking about that when you're looking at developing folks because i think to your point like if you're managing a team and you have to promote somebody and you're seeing that this person that's super super confident in what they're doing all the time might seem like the right move but thinking about leadership holistically when you're making promotion decisions and leadership bench decisions i think is really critical too and i think as a leader there's a lot you could probably take from this as well like how can you if you're not a humble leader 
mm-hmm. take this feedback <laughs> that it's important yeah. l- and learn how to take feedback and learn that you may have some weaknesses think about yourself critically. I mean, I think this is really important for leaders just generally, even if you're not showing the humility to your team members, like it's really important as you grow in your career, grow in your development that you need to understand your weaknesses. Like you cannot be all strengths. That's not going to help you move up the career ladder. If that's something that you want to do, move into more senior leadership levels, et cetera. So I think understanding that humility is not just going to be helpful for your team members, which obviously that's important, but If you have to take it from a personal perspective, thinking about how understanding your weaknesses and being open to getting feedback on those weaknesses can actually improve you overall and your career trajectory overall, I think is huge too. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's definitely a great call out. And I think people that end up in leadership roles, like you're saying, oftentimes they end up there because they are good at what they're doing in, in many interest instances. And so you get the sense of, Oh, like I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing well. And so I have to keep demonstrating this like persona of being like perfect at everything that I do. Or like, it seems like that's what I've been rewarded for in the past. So I need to keep that up. But I think what this is saying is that you'll gain a lot better outcomes for your team. And obviously, if your team's performing well, that's ultimately the best indicator of your leadership, right? So if you're thinking about what the best indicators are of your leadership, if your team's doing a great job, that's a really good indicator that you're doing a great job. So um, thinking about, you know, what's actually going to get you to the outcome that you want and not just what's demonstrating the persona of what you think other people are expecting because those can sometimes be two different things and also you might not be right about what other people are expecting from you um, just because it seems like maybe that's what's worked in the past so um, I would also encourage people to kind of like think from an outcomes backwards uh, approach as opposed to just thinking about you know what they've done in the past yeah and I think that needs to go like you said in the selection side both ways like as you're looking at leaders as leaders are evaluating other leaders look at the outcomes and think about how the team is performing and functioning and are they all calling out sick all the time because there's completely burnout are they you know meeting their goals and targets or missing them completely like what does that look like when you're making a decision because somebody can be super confident in their tasks super competent in the work that they're doing and really mm-hmm. good at presenting information sharing information doing a great job from that side of leadership but failing in terms of making their team function at the highest and healthiest level possible. Um, and again, failing to see their weaknesses. So I think the way that we look at leaders, we need to be a little bit more critical about other things besides the persona that they have. Cause I feel like it's just so yeah. easy to fall into this trap of, you know, a charismatic leader that just sounds good, looks good, you know, does all the things that a leader checks the boxes from when you think of a leader, but they're not actually doing what would be best for the business and for the teams. Yeah. So as you move into 2021, everyone think about how you can better see your own strengths and weaknesses, how you can show a better appreciation for others on your team's strengths and contributions, and then how you can be more teachable. Like what are ideas or feedback that, you've received that you might be more defensive towards and how can you be more open uh, in 2021 towards uh, adapting towards feedback as opposed to running from feedback. Yes. Agreed. I love it. I love it. And as always, we'll link to the article and 
all the other psychological capital resources we talked about, including our course, which if you haven't seen or if you haven't taken the class yet, so we have an online course on psychological capital and how you can develop it yourself. And we have a holiday special going on right now um, through the new year that gives you a discounted price. So go check it out. We'll have a link to that as well. So if you're really interested in developing your own psychological capital or your team's psychological capital, it's a really great resource to get that ball rolling. And especially since psychological capital has a lot to do with goals and creating successes, it's a great time as we go into the new year to um, help think about your goals and figure out ways to achieve them and build up your self-efficacy, your optimism, your hope, and your resilience to get you there. Agreed. Awesome. Thank you for listening to uh, my article, Patricia. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. I thought it was a great one. I am excited to hear more people talk about leader humility. So hopefully that concept really takes off even further. Um, And we hope all of you have a new happy, happy, happy new year. Happy holidays. And as always, if you want to reach us, you can find us on our website, workerbeing.com. You can email us at contact at workerbeing.com. And you can find us on social media at workerbeing on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So happy new year, everyone. The Worker Being Podcast is hosted by us, Patricia Grabarek and Katina Sawyer and produced by Allie Johnson. Thank you.